Welcome to We Got This Covered's Cinemaholics, the weekly movie review talk show where critics and fans finally unite to discuss the biggest and best films coming to theaters. We're not just fans, we're not just critics, we're Cinemaholics. Welcome once again to Cinemaholics, the official podcast of WeGotThisCovered.com. I am John Agroni from the Internet California and from the Internet Pennsylvania. He's a pop culture writer for Cinema Blend and a freelance writer for the playlist Cut Print Film and many more. It is Will Ashton. Hey there. And from the broadband basement, put your ears together for our sound producer, sound master, Maverick Hines. What's up? We have an episode for the ages today because it is a movie that uh, i don't think any of anyone saw coming uh we we asked you all on twitter we asked you to sound off in the comments what movie you wanted us to review because there was some competition i think it's fair to say maverick really mm. wanted us to talk about a drift for example action um, was a close second jonathan i hate to interrupt but i think it's important to clarify uh <laughs> No, <laughs> the, the complete yeah. opposite. I mean, you literally looked at me and was like, I'm so glad we're not going to talk about a drift. But Will, you saw a drift and you're going to be talking about it. I did. Years. Yeah, I was going to say, I think Maverick could be, uh, he was like the least interested in drift in <laughs> yeah. any movie that's ever been potentially mentioned as a topic of discussion. Honestly, like, yeah. Was, Is it Shailene Woodley? Is it just the movie? It's just that kind of movie, the whole like yeah. Lost at Sea survival thing. First of all, like oceans just give me anxiety. So like... That would have sucked. Hence, you don't want to talk about Oceans. Well, yeah. And then, like, it's just those movies always suck. Like, they're just never good. All right. right. Well. Is uh, the Ocean thing why you don't like Pirates? No, I don't like Pirates because those movies are so dumb. Yeah, I think that's different. Because you you don't like any of those movies. No. To be clear. And also, I mean, you love to fish, but you love mountains and lakes and stuff. You don't really love, like, the beach, I guess. I'm definitely not a beach guy. I'm much more of, like, a let's go into, like, the National Forest and Fisher Creek. But, like, that's, like that's outside of it that's it's a just, different issue yeah I, it's mostly just about the fact that like those kind of movies of like the whole like storm at sea thing have just never interested me like well that's fine because yeah. you don't it's okay he didn't how'd you guys get me to talk about a drift that was weird i was just kind of curious <laughs> i just want to know more about you um okay and our listeners do too uh but no we're actually going to be talking about a new film called upgrade um from director Leigh Winnell. that's coming up and uh that it's it's an interesting kind of uh i think a cult classic in the making possibly unless it makes some money it look it's looking like it might um it is a kind of a sci-fi action horror movie and we're going to talk all about it but first some off topics we have a lot of things to announce a lot of really exciting stuff uh first of all we have a new spin-off uh podcast episode from anyway that's all i got uh, our spinoff podcast hosted by sam noland himself uh, he and the a tag gang did a star wars breakdown now part one came out last week uh by last week i guess i mean like two weeks ago depending on how you tell time but uh star it was called the star wars breakdown part one they went through the original trilogy and they talked about the prequel movies they even talked about the star wars holiday special it was really awesome uh they had such a great detailed uh really like insightful conversation about the star wars movies about the prequels how they relate to each other it's a very fascinating conversation. Um, I know I personally disagreed with plenty of stuff, and I agreed with just as much. And uh, I loved listening to it and uh, kind of giving them a hard time behind the scenes about it. Uh, but that was part one. Part two is coming out today. By the time you're listening to this, by the time most of you are going to be listening to it, it is going to be dropping on their podcast feed. Uh, the Anyway, That's All I Got podcast. So if you haven't already, don't forget to subscribe to them so that you can get part two. 
and uh, they're going to be doing the rest of the movies, uh, a lot of the new Star Wars films. Now, I haven't listened to this episode yet. I'm going to listen to it right after we finish recording. Um, but Sam Nuland has warned me that uh, some of their takes on the new Star Wars movies are very spicy. Um, so I'm not, uh, I'm looking forward to uh, the, the conversation that's going to be following because there's a lot of disagreement between them, I think. And uh, definitely, uh, they definitely have some unique opinions about Force Awakens, Last Jedi, Rogue One, those movies. Uh, so I'm looking forward to that uh, for sure. Okay, other big announcement. Uh, we're doing something really cool. Maverick's going to kind of explain it. But, uh, you know, next week, the big movie coming out is Ocean's 8. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about Ocean's 8 at the end of this episode in our Coming Soon segment. Um, for those of you who don't listen to the whole episode, at the end of each episode, we talk about like all the movies coming out next week and we kind of banter about which ones we want to feature review. But uh, Maverick, you had this interesting idea that uh, we managed to get off the ground. Uh, tell us about it because we're doing something super different for our Ocean's 8 episode. Yeah, well, you know, I, I think one thing that's made um, Cinemaholics kind of different and fun is our ability to invite more voices to come along and like share different opinions like i think we choose guests very carefully and like obviously i'm on the show so like we'll let anyone on right no i'm just kidding <laughs> but uh but no i think that's what's cool about some holics is like you know there's someone like me who's not really in the same vein as like you and will as far as like critics go and stuff like that so we've, we've always tried to like kind of broaden our our spectrum for guests and stuff and i i was telling john months ago i was like you know it would be really cool if we did an episode um where we had like a completely different panel of hosts. Like we just let, you know, some people come on and talk and with oceans eight coming out, we thought what better time to have some of our like most loved guests come back and have an all female, uh, hosting group squad kind of talk about the movie oceans eight. Um, and I was really excited about it and I was glad we were able to do it. I can't remember what guests we got. So John, you can kind of elaborate on that. Um, well, we just got it finalized and ready to go. Uh, so it's two guests that you've heard before and one totally new them, uh, a totally new guest. So we've been wanting to come on cinemaholics for a long time. Awesome. Um, so it's going to be hosted by Kimber Myers. She is a Cinemaholics favorite, as you all know. Um, yeah. We've had her on multiple times. She's fantastic. Uh, but also, uh, we have Alicia Grouso coming on. She's been on Cinemaholics a few times as well. Uh, another fan favorite. Alicia is uh, one, of, one of my dear friends who's been on, uh, like, basically, like, my mentor for years. And uh, we have another person coming on, uh, Candace Frederick, who uh, I definitely have no, kind of been on her radar for a while. But uh, I think, Will, you know her a little bit better than I do. Oh, I do. I don't know. I, I think don't we're know, about maybe. the same. Okay. But, yeah. <laughs> I wasn't sure if you were like friends like before I knew her or anything yeah. like that. Probably. I think we are about the same time, probably. So We both follow her work and we both appreciate yeah. her work. But that said, uh, all three uh, of these ladies are going to be reviewing Ocean's 8. So they're going to be doing the episode next week. Yeah. And I'm super excited about yeah, it because like... It's going to be really fun. For, for one thing, uh, you know, finally, Will Ashton gets a week off. Um, <laughs> you're a bit, you're pretty much of a workaholic and uh, instead of a cinemaholic sometimes. Um, but no, I think it's going to be great because I think their discussion about Ocean's A is going to be awesome. They're going to be doing mini reviews too. And uh, I don't even know yet for sure what mini reviews they're going to do, but they're probably going to be talking about all kinds of good stuff. Yeah, it's all them. We won't be on the show at all, to clarify. Right. Like none of us, yeah. it's just going to be an entirely new panel. So it's going to be pretty fun. Yeah, I think it's going to be great. And uh, yeah, for sure. Don't forget to check that episode out. It's going to be coming out next week. And uh, that's going to be our Ocean's 8 review. We'll probably talk about Ocean's 8 later date just to tell you what we thought of it. Um, But that'll be coming uh, soon after. So, okay. Uh, next up, we, uh, I, I did want to briefly bring up that, uh, you know, our solo, a star Wars story episode came out last week. 
and it did not take the box office by storm. And it, it is pretty fascinating. Uh, it came out, and the box office for Solo has been ridiculously low. And it's it's kind of fascinating to me, especially. Will, what do you think about this? I mean, domestically, it's made money. I mean, $127 million in two weeks, it's not bad. But for a Star Wars movie, this is definitely performing under expectations. Do you have any theories as this? I know you've been oh, probably thinking about yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, I think there's it's just a bunch of comp- uh, it's just a bunch of different factors. I think coming in, it's just I think the main one was releasing the movie in May was a bad decision. I think it would have been wiser to keep the like December mm-hmm. uh, tradition going, just because I think there's like kind of a ingrained like sense that oh, it's like around Christmas now, like we're gonna get a new Star Wars movie, and like families are getting together around that time. And there's not a lot of competition as far as like blockbusters are concerned around that time. I think coming out like in the summer, nudge between uh, like Deadpool 2 and Infinity War and stuff, they kind of shot themselves in the foot. And I really don't know why they're pushing so hard for this release day. I think it has something to do with the new Mary Poppins movie. But honestly, I think they could have switched them and been pretty fine. Uh, But I don't know. I mean, I think there also could have been the factor of... uh, it being like a prequel instead of a sequel, like people felt like, oh, I don't need to see this movie because it's just a story we, in their perspective, like they've a story they already know and they feel like, oh, it's not even Harrison Ford again. Nothing against Alden Elrich. I think he's great, but I guess for people who are accustomed to seeing Harrison Ford as Han Solo, it's not really like a James Bond thing where he's been played by multiple different people at this point. It's like pretty iconically uh, been Harrison Ford as that character and I don't know I think it's just a bunch of different things just combined itself into making an underwhelming box office performance and yeah. also the fact that the reviews for the most part I know John you were super I was gonna mention yeah film, but it's it, very mixed yeah right? it's pretty lukewarm if you know what I mean so I totally get though like if you're you know if you're a family or if you're somebody who likes the Star Wars movies doesn't like absolutely love them yeah I, I guess the anticipation is kind of low because critics aren't saying it's amazing you know some critics are really liking it like i definitely really liked it and i know plenty who did but a lot of other ones are sort of like eh, you can probably just skip this one so i i I totally get from that perspective why it's kind of underperforming a bit i also think that it's just so soon after the last jedi that it 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 is tough to get people to go to the theater so many times a year i mean this year has been between black panther between um we have we have a new incredibles movie coming out we just had this big avengers movie we just had deadpool 2 and i just think people i don't think it's just star wars fatigue i think it's blockbuster fatigue oh yeah to an extent and uh I, i don't think it's reflective too much of the movie itself i just think people are just you know, they have to make, they have to draw the line somewhere. Yeah. And it's a shame if this had come out in December, I think that, uh, no, I think it would definitely be doing a lot better, especially looking at what's scheduled for December. I know Mary Poppins returns is coming out, but Mm. it's still, I I just don't see those two movies competing that heavily, especially if one had come out in November and the other in December, but we'll have to wait and see. Yeah. I mean, just looking at like our recent calendar, I mean, there are a couple of weeks where like a smaller release is headline, but it's been mostly blockbusters since February, since Black mm-hmm. Panther. And I feel like, like you said, it's just so many blockbusters at this point. It's just like a year of it. It's not like a summer season thing anymore. And so I guess it isn't quite as novel to have like a Han Solo movie in the dead, of, like the dead heat of summer. It's just not the same as it was maybe even like a couple of years before. Yeah, but I will look, say you can look yeah. back at our archive of Cinemaholics episodes and see clearly how many big budget our episodes from like Ready Player One to Right mm-hmm. to Rampage, A Quiet Place, Blockers. I mean, big big movies all the time. Yeah, I will say though, I've heard some people say it had to do with 
some negative responses last jedi i do not think that's had any effect on this no. movie i just think that's a small but vocal audience not to say that anyone who had problems with the movie should be lumped in that category but i don't think that movie's response had anything to do with this film yeah uh, as somebody i mean i think all three of us really loved that movie it was there's a reason to see solo you know i it was a reason why i was still kind of more excited about it than i probably would have been if uh, if i hadn't enjoyed the last jedi as much as i did but okay that's solo a star wars story it's still it's gonna probably break even you know, but between merchandising and DVD sales, I think it is a movie that has legs that has positive yeah. word of mouth. Everyone I know who has seen it has really enjoyed it. Like no one's seen it and it's, it's not blowing people's minds, but they are sort of finding it to be a, an enjoyable kind of family movie that uh, is going to kind of probably last up until I think Incredibles 2 is going to come out and it's just going to decimate. Um, that's my prediction. Yeah. I mean, I will say that I've heard some people like if you like look at the numbers, it doesn't look that bad. But it's worth noting this is the most expensive Star Wars yeah. movie because they have to make it twice. One of the most expensive less. movies of all yeah. time, right? Um, and I think that's where the real trouble is coming is that yeah. it has such a heavy price tag that the fact that it's doing pretty minuscule numbers, especially for a Star Wars movie, is what's troubling them. And I don't know how it's going to affect the future of the series. I don't know if it's going to hurt like the Boba Fett movie or if it's going to cause us not to get that Obi Wan movie. But I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see how it happens. Despite how much I like Solo, honestly, Will Ashton, Maverick Hines, I hope, I am kind of rooting for Disney to be like, no more standalone anthology prequels. Let's just focus on these new, like, Ryan Johnson's new trilogy of movies, um, Benioff and Weiss's new movies, and, uh, or just, I don't know, get new directors in general and just do something totally different. Mm Mm-hmm. With me for the spinoff movies, I'm fine with them doing them if they just let them like I think for them, they should be like pretty like experimental and just like do whatever and like see what works. I feel like they've been having the opposite approach. I think in with do, them, like, being experimental, is, I think that's being fine. Experimental is fine, but I don't think you need to do them for characters we've already seen before. No, I, I agree. Guess. But I mean, if they're going to do them, I think they should have more carte blanche. And I feel like they've had like a strong like Disney's had like a strong hold on these films. Like you can't do this and you got to put more references in there. And that's what yeah. me from when I see them. It's just like. It feels like everything has to connect back to A New Hope. And to me, that's not really that interesting. I want to see like the other parts of the galaxy just be on their own. I right. mean, to me, like when the parts of Solo I liked the least were when they were strong arming you to remember that it was a Star Wars film. Like when it was just Solo on his own, that's when the movie was pretty interesting to me. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. That's it, my, that's it, it does. It does trip me up when that they are sort of trying to make like a Marvel universe out of this where you have different Solo movies no pun intended, but, yeah. uh, but really like, you know, a solo movie here, Boba Fett over here, they all kind of lend to a larger, like episodic. I think they're trying to make it so like, Oh, so we could be like Marvel. We could come out with three star Wars movies a year. I don't think you can get away with that. Like you can with Marvel because Marvel movies can be so different from each other. Whereas star Wars is such a, it's a little bit more niche than I think Disney wants it to be. Like, I just, you can do these special things where it's like, this one's more about outlaws. This one's more about Jedi. But aside from that, I don't think you can, I just don't think you can stretch these stories to a lot of of different places. I mean, if you look at Solo and Boba Fett, those are kind of two sides of the same coin of bounty hunters and smugglers. You look at Last Jedi and you look at an Obi-Wan or Yoda movie, it's like, okay, well, Jedi and stuff, that much you can do with it. But where they could be experimental is with their live action TV series that they're already working on. That's where I think the excitement and anticipation could be built up there. People love Star Wars Rebels, for example. I just don't think that everything has to be cinematic. I think that there should... It, uh, one of my uh, good friends, Tyler Daswick, he's an uh, editor at uh, Relevant Magazine. He His solo review that he did, I think he really nailed it because he was like, Solo is a good movie, but you know, Star Wars isn't special anymore. 
And mm-hmm. I don't know if I fully agree with him, but it is sort of feeling it's not as special anymore. Right? Cause I just don't think you can, it's not like Marvel where it was built up on like comic book anthologies and then translated to film where these characters are so established. We want to see them on the big screen again. This is a totally different thing. This is like an established lore that we're trying to stretch out into more cinematic stuff that I just, I just don't think the public has an appetite for in the way that they do for comic book movies. And I hope Disney is getting that message so that we can get something else. But, that's enough out of me, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I think Disney's main lesson here is that if you just slap Star Wars on something, it doesn't automatically guarantee you're going to have a huge mega hit. And I still think you can have events from Star Wars. They just mm-hmm. that, like, like Last Jedi was an event still, but I just think that pe- they assume that by putting Star Wars in the title, that's going to make it a hit. And I feel like people just like there wasn't that much time to release it or market the movie. It was like six months, and they weren't pushing mm-hmm. in to uh, Last Jedi's window. So like. We didn't get the trailer was, until right. So we got a trailer later. like six months before, and I feel like there wasn't really like a lot of buzz for it because they didn't. They were still working the movie out because they were trying to rush it to completion, and so yeah, I just I feel like it's just so many com- like combining factors just caused the film to underperform, and the narrative kind of suffered a bit um, because the production issues really painted a negative story out of this movie before it even came out. So it's a lot of things. Um, but I, honestly, I am kind of looking forward to the rest of uh, this year and then all of next year. No Star Wars movies. We're going to get a long break. And mm-hmm. I think that's going to be kind of, I think that's going to be good for Lucasfilm, whether they like it or not. Um, but that's probably part of their plan. I think they they want that momentum and that like hype that they had for Force Awakens to sort of carry over to this, to this uh, next, whatever it's going to be called, finishing out the, the Ray saga, if you want to call it that. But okay. Mm-hmm. That solo Star Wars story, we'll be keeping an eye on that box office. Uh, Kind of just, it's definitely disappointing for Disney and Lucasfilm. But uh, for me, as someone who liked the film, uh, you know what? I I I, I just I like the film fine. I don't think it needs to be a juggernaut personally. But yeah. All right. All right. Uh, And then last thing, um, I went to Pixar Fest uh, this past week. So I've been kind of off the grid a little bit, uh, very, very limited in my uh, uh, any social media or anything like that. Uh, I went to Disneyland in Anaheim to kind of experience the Pixar fest, as they're calling it. Um, Will Maverick, do you guys have like ideas of like, or do you have like any sort of, like, I don't know how good the marketing has been, but like, what's your understanding of Pixar fest? The only thing I've seen is a billboard off of the 101. Okay, that's, <laughs> that's what and, I was expecting. And it was just like a blue billboard that said Pixar fest. And that's literally as much as I know about it. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, just you bring it up now. That's the only time I've ever really heard of a Pixar fest. So I, I guess, yeah, I guess it's more of a California thing that they're really pushing it. Um, but Pixar Fest is, it's like a new, like every year Disney, the Disney parks have sort of a, uh, they choose like a theme, you know, like their anniversaries. They like, oh, this is the year of wishes, this is the year of whatever. And it's usually like a summer thing. Well, this year they decided to like lean, lean hard into their Pixar, you know, canon and it they kind of you know in some ways they went all out and we don't usually you don't usually talk about the theme parks on this podcast but i know a lot of people really really love theme park talk if that's not your thing go ahead and skip ahead but i'm going to briefly talk about it um because as you guys know I, i love pixar it's kind of you know my passion and uh 
they, I was really excited when I first heard about this because part of what goes into Pixar Fest, uh, the big thing is that they have new rides dedicated to Pixar characters. As you're going throughout the park, uh, most of the music, if not all of it, is exclusively from Pixar movies. It's actually really cool because you can walk through the parks and, um, you know, I had, I had kind of a fun guessing game of like, oh, which Pixar movie was this? And some of them were kind of hard to pick out. Like there was a good dinosaur theme that I totally was like, I don't know this Pixar movie. Um, even though I really love that movie. And so there's new rides and things like that. There's something called uh, Pixar Pier, which is a Disney uh, California adventure. And, uh, and, you know, I'm talking about all this and I feel like, Will, have you ever been to Disneyland? No. Okay. So like, I I guess I'll try not to belabor it and be too, you know, (laughs) I'll try not to over explain, but like, you know, there's Disneyland, you know, where there's like the magic kingdom, there's, you know, all of the like classic Disney stuff. And they have like Tomorrowland with like the star Wars, everything like that. And then they have the park right across from it, which is Disneyland California adventure, which really has a lot of cars stuff. It has a lot of Pixar stuff in general. They have like a whole area just for a bug's life. They have this amazing, radiator springs section which really feels like you're in radiator springs it's fantastic and they kind of have um evolved it over the last few years and for pixar fest there's some new content and stuff like i i will say i was expecting a little bit more out of it like they have new rides they have like the incredicoaster which is like an incredible incredibles roller coaster they have like a candy store called bing bongs sweet stuff from inside out a lot of that stuff isn't open until june 23rd so i kind of missed out on some of that but uh it, it was cool they they had like all of these like like all the restaurants and stuff had special things like in uh the cafe orleans i had ratatouille you know, which was delicious. Um, you can get like a, a Mexican chocolate churro from, uh, for Coco and, uh, just really cool, neat stuff like that. And it really felt like they sort of like blanketed Disneyland with some Pixar stuff, but it wasn't necessarily like there, there wasn't anything about it that I thought was amazing or anything about it that I was like, wow, Disney's really going all out. Um, aside from a couple of key things. Um, first off, I will say the best ride right now in all of those parks is the Guardians of the Galaxy Mission Breakout ride. Um, if you ever do find yourself at Disneyland, that ride is amazing. It is just like a, they turned Tower of Terror into a Guardians ride, which going into it, I was a little like, you know, I kind of, I was kind of missing the, the, uh, the quirky charm of that Twilight Zone Tower of Terror ride. And uh, I was like, oh, I guess it's Guardians now. And it, but it actually, they did a terrific job with it. It is like a thrilling awesome ride it really feels like you're in the guardians movies and all of that um but aside from all that stuff um they <laughs> as, as the the biggest surprise for me was they actually are showing the first 15 minutes of incredibles 2 um at an exclusive like little screening area so i actually got to see the first it's like the opening scene where the movie picks off right off from the first Incredibles. So like we, at the end of the Incredibles, spoilers, I guess, um, the Incredibles family kind of suits up to fight the Underminer. And the new movie picks up right then and you see what happens. And I won't give anything away, but first off, I'm way more excited about Incredibles 2 than I already was, which is like saying something. I was definitely looking forward to this. But I was skeptical because I was like, you know what? Is Incredibles 2 really going to feel like the first Incredibles? Is Brad Bird, like, it is the same team. It is the same creative team. But is it really going to, you know, is it going to feel different for the sake of being different? Is, is it really, how are they going to deal with, like, the new voice actor for Dash? I honestly, guys, I felt like it was just the first movie continuing. 
like the same energy, the same pace, the same kind of surprise, the same, I, it, it, it's, it's same, but in like the good way. Right. Uh, I, I'm, I'm so stoked. It comes out in two weeks and, uh, that's all I'll say for now. Um, but I, 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 if the rest of the movie is anything like the opening scene, which was again, like maybe it was like 10 minutes, 15, I don't even really know for sure. I saw it twice. Um, I, I think you guys are in for a treat. It's going to be a good episode. And, uh, off on that note, we have a packed summer full of special guests in, including hopefully for our Incredibles, uh, to review. I think we have a special guest for that that you guys are going to like, but, uh, that's Pixar Fest in a nutshell. There's a lot to it, but uh, if you love Pixar movies, it it's worth your time. You know, the parks, they're obviously fun on their own, but I think having a whole year, it's not a whole year, it ends in September. Um, having this like season of celebrating Pixar from, from like Disney, I thought was pretty awesome and well-earned and uh, definitely worth your time. So that's Pixar Fest. You have until I think like mid-September to check it out. And uh, I recommend it if you're in the Disneyland park. I don't know if they're doing anything for it at Disney World. I don't think they are, but uh, I might be wrong about that. Uh, but okay, that's enough theme park talk. Sorry. Um, I went off on a tangent that I don't. we don't usually cover on this show. But uh, with that, let's talk about Upgrade, um, the featured review for this week. This movie was written, directed by Leigh Winnell. He, uh, he's the co-creator of Saw, Insidious. He directed the Insidious Chapter 3. Uh, long career, you know, very very heavily involved with the, create, the creative yeah. direction of uh, the first couple of Saw movies. Well, yeah, I was going to say, um, he's the guy with the white shirt in the first movie that gets the door closed in on him. People might recognize him as that That's, guy. oh my gosh, finally. Okay. I was, try- I was asking John, I was like, I've seen him before. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, that, that's he wrote the movie too, but he's also an actor, and that's probably his most famous role. Thank you. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, this new movie is nothing like the Saw films. Uh, it's not really a. Horror I thought it was film. identical. There's actually. a little bit of like a horror kind of undertone to it, uh, but yeah, this new movie it's set in the near future where like. I would say maybe like 10 years from now where technology is like, you know, think of like Alexa, the Google home thing really stretched even further where like AIs and technology really control most of everything that happens in life. And, uh, it's the story features around, of course, the, the mechanic who's kind of, uh, he's a bit of a Luddite and, uh, he kind of goes through a situation where he uh, becomes, uh, kind of disabled, we'll say, and uh, he kind of gets enhanced in an effort to find revenge on a group of people who ruined his life. And uh, that's all I'll say for now. The movie stars Logan Marshall Green. You may have seen him. He was the uh, the first shocker in Spider-Man Homecoming. And uh, he also played, uh, he was one of the guys in uh, The Invitation, which is kind of a underseen, but kind of a worth your time rental. Yeah. Um, He's a, he was in Prometheus too, right? Yeah, but he kind of had a pretty small role in that, if I remember right. I mean, he had about as big a role as he did in Spider-Man. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, but yeah, the cast also includes Betty Gabriel, Michael Foster, Harrison Gilbertson, and Benedict Hardy. Will Ashton, what did you think of Upgrade? Were you excited going into this one, too? I, I feel like you were, oh, yeah. but uh, why were you? <laughs> well, I mean, I just felt like we were talking earlier about how this year is so dominated by blockbusters that... I feel like the movies that are really attracting me right now, and I think we discussed this on our summer pre- movie preview, is uh, the smaller ones that are a little more niche and genre focused. To me, those are more exciting. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like this trailer really just sold what was so exciting about this premise in the sense that I don't think it's like a completely original idea. I think if you really break it down, you can see components of other movies 
that you've seen before. But I think it's really about the execution. They just gave it a new fresh coat of paint and just gave it a little more of a, uh, I guess, uh, a pseudo intellectual kind of vibe, but like not really pressing upon it, just more that it's there. Um, and I think it just is a super well-made movie. I mean, it's really well produced and it's really well directed. I mean, uh, I think if you look at the movie, you would think it's about like 40 or 50 million dollars, but it's only about three or five million. And that really blows my mind. I think not since like District 9 have been really impressed by how big a movie looks, even though the budget is so small scale. Um, and I think it just like I mean, just the cinematography, the production design, and especially the acting. I mean, you brought up Logan Marshall Green. I think he gives one of the best performances I've seen this year. Not only like an emotionally, on emotional level, but physically. I mean, this role is so demanding, and he really sells it. I mean, just like the idea of uh, not having control of your body, I think is inherently kind of scary. Mm-hmm. But there is like this sort of comically like it kind of reminds me of evil dead 2 like how he can't like really control it but it's also still kind of controlling it and it's like kind of disturbing and funny at the same time it's a little hard to explain unless you see it but he really i mean if it weren't for his performance i don't think this movie would have worked quite as well as it does and i thought he did a great job and um yeah i mean i I really have mostly positive things to say because this movie sells in with me more and i'm growing to like it even more but yeah it just seemed like a kind of movie i'd like and i'm glad i did yeah, I, I definitely, I think the obvious comparison between this movie and others, uh, you really see a lot of $6 million man, you know, there's a lot of RoboCop, but yeah, yeah, a lot of RoboCop too. In fact, I think the, uh, the idea of like the way he moves and the way he's enhanced was something they wanted to do for RoboCop, but the suit was too heavy. Um, so that movie kind of yeah. ended up being a little bit more obviously robotic. Yeah. And, and that uh, movie had a lot of production problems too. I remember. And yeah, that, that, that was a shame. Cause I don't think that movie is terrible, but it was just super forgettable. And this does feel like what it should have been. Well, and, and, you know, I, and we're talking about the new RoboCop, obviously yeah, 2014, the, not the, right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't want anybody to hear that and be like, what? He doesn't like RoboCop. Um, no, no, the original RoboCop's awesome. Yeah, that, that movie, if you ever get a chance to see it, it's so fun. Yeah. The first uh, two, I think yeah. I, I like the first two. Oh, I haven't seen the second one. I've only seen the first and the good. remake, but yeah, it's good. Um, and yeah, and then uh, there's a little bit of Death Wish in here, obviously. And mm-hmm. you know what movie this this one surprised? Like I was surprised to sort of think of was Ex Machina. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I can see that. I definitely, you know, one of one of the one of the upsides of this being directed by someone who does a lot of body horror, who is really well known for the Saw franchise, which say what you will about the Saw movies, I think that they have great environments and locations um, mm-hmm. kind of brought to life and brought into a sci-fi environment. It, it, it For me, it evoked the kind of like fascination and, and wonder that I had watching or kind of like a distorted wonder I had while watching Ex Machina. I mean, there are some uh, shots in this where the camera just lingers and it's like, it's like these really symmetrical kind of disturbing technophobe kind of uh, ideas all conveyed through, like you said, with Logan Marshall green kind of staring listlessly off. And I don't know, I loved those moments because I was like, this is doing more than I think, you know, we would ever see from like a sci-fi horror action movie. Um, And it really amplified this whole thing for me because I, otherwise I think that this would have just been sort of a, just really a campy one-off you know, action flick instead of something a little bit more special than what we got. Maverick Hines, um, I know you, did you see the trailer going into this one or did you go in blind? I think I watched, watched it like a long time ago, but I I didn't remember any of it. And at that point I was like, I'm just not going to rewatch it. I'm just going to go in. So I went in technically blind. Yeah. Um, how was the experience for you then? 
you know, I so I, I didn't like I couldn't remember what it was about. I like I knew very little about it. So you know, it was I I, I don't know. It's I had a really fun time with it. <laughs> like it was I was so surprised that I was enjoying it because I totally I was like, oh, this is an hour and a half movie. Like I haven't heard much about this. Like I'm kind of worried about what what's about to happen. Um, and I don't know. I feel like I had a really really fun time with it. I agree with Will. I think. Um, I can't even remember his name. The actor who played the main guy, Logan Marshall Green. Yeah, I thought he did great for this role because it was it was pretty. I mean, I'm not an actor by any means, but I can't imagine that would be a pretty difficult role to take with the whole paralysis thing, and it was just so physically demanding. Um, so yeah, I, I I really liked it. I thought the action sequences I saw were like like surprisingly great for what I went into you know like expecting, and um, I had a lot of fun in watching those, and I was never bored. And I mean, you can't beat a good hour and a half movie, right? Like it was, mm-hmm. it was yeah, a tight, tight hour. 30. It was just yeah, it was mm-hmm. a perfect yeah. length. I I really really had fun with it and there was a movie that reminded me a lot of that i don't think you guys mentioned but for me the first thing i thought it was i robot with yeah just no, i was a, actually about to say the same thing yeah i yeah. robot was like for sure just with specifically with logan marshall's character of the whole right. like yeah, you know, like the guy who guy, doesn't like, like the times and like right, you know yeah. he works on old cars and a futuristic I was waiting car for logan marshall green and to be like here are my converses yeah, yeah. <laughs> right 2004 so the, i mean and it was a similar intro sequence to the characters right like with will smith like listening to the am radio and like putting on converse like he was working on a 1967 thunderbird in you know whatever year it's supposed to be or whatever so i really that was the first thing i thought of as far as a movie comparison so um but i i mean i enjoyed it i, I think it was a really fun experience and like you know it wasn't like the best movie i've ever seen by any means i'm not blown away by yeah. the quality of the movie but like i had a lot of fun with it and that's saying something because i don't feel like i often i feel like this is totally the kind of movie that pe- most people would be like i'm average just gonna like whine about this one right <laughs> like this is gonna be one of those movies where i just like stupid pointlessly complaining but like i i will say sitting next to you during this theater like every action sequence every like body horror thing you were so into the movie because i I, i've gotten to know (laughs) the way that you react to certain scenes yeah i'm not subtle like if i don't like something you'll see my phone quick (laughs) yeah you you do the side eye like "Mm -hmm, that's gonna happen isn't it but you (laughs) i i was too like i was just like this is yeah. There were just some shocking and yeah and i don't want to give anything sequence. away with those but like the first action the first big action sequence i was just like i think i audibly went what like <laughs> yeah. i was like this is because like, you just don't see it coming at all you know and especially with me going into Despite movie, the movie bit advertising itself as that i mean oh, i know yeah. you didn't see a lot of the trailers but yeah. i saw them and i i didn't see that coming i think yeah i i mean i severely benefited from like not remembering much about the previews and stuff i think i had a yeah. way way more fun experience just knowing like whatever and i was so pleasantly surprised by sequences like that um yeah i was going to say um i think the red band trailer spoils a lot i didn't see it beforehand but i'm glad i didn't because it seems like they spoil a lot of like the gore shots and stuff so if you get a chance don't watch the red band trailer before you go in don't watch any trailer before you go (laughs) yeah i mean well the first trailer is fine i think it's better going cold like i I agree with you there but that's the only one that i saw so yeah the first one you know right and even then, that one doesn't give away a lot, and like I forgot so much of it that like because I saw it like way 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 back when it came right. out. I didn't read any of the reviews from South by just aside from like one liners, and I think that's mm-hmm. the way to go with this one because it actually has some interesting twists and turns. Uh, okay, so I want to talk about a couple things I didn't like. Um, just a couple of things that like drag it down for me. Uh, <laughs> First off, and, and this might not be like a huge bug for people. It might be a feature. Uh, the dialogue is not great, especially yeah, in the opening yeah. opening yeah, half hour. Uh, you know, this guy, a lot. I like to call him Tom Hardly. 
because um, he just really looks uh, like Tom Hardy. Uh, <laughs> it was like, Ugh. yeah. No, I, I, no, I, I just I feel like I feel like he deserves to get his own credit at this point. Like I, I see people keep saying that, and I feel like I get it. Like it was tough. distracting he, he early in his career, but so... I feel like he's he's proving himself at this point. I feel like comparing him to Tom Hardy exclusively just gets kind of old for me, but you're right, you're right. which me. I'm not trying to do. And obviously like he really pulls his weight and he, he, I, I agree with you. He's the Jessica Roth of this, uh, you know, un- under, understated, you know, I don't want to call it a horror movie, but you know what I'm saying? Like kind well, of, a it's kind of a horror movie. I mean, yeah, at least elements of it are, but yeah, I mean, um, it's a body horror film in the sci-fi suit. Yeah. Because it doesn't, well, the movie doesn't have a lot of suspense. It has a right. lot of anticipation. It has a lot of setup and payoff, but it doesn't really have like, you well, know, it's not a monster like movie necessarily. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah dread is a good comparison. Um, but then the action scenes, it like this movie is kind of like an augmented, like it goes from being like dread or it goes from being $6 million man. And then goes right into being like the matrix. Once an action scene starts, um, um, and I, one last, like, really positive thing I'll say is, like, this is some of the most interesting action directing I think I've seen in a little bit. I mean, the way the camera moves, the way that it morphs into, like, how his body is being controlled by this thing called STEM, uh, mm-hmm. it's, it really is, some, like, not a lot of things you've seen before, except in some very, like, if you like Attack the Block, if you like The Raid, um, this feels like a really nice... Uh, this like kind of fits comfortably in the in that vein of movie with its own little like quirks. So uh, in, in that sense, it, it really works as an action movie, but also with like the body horror with some of the there's a, there's gore, not too much, but like enough to like you know I think satisfy fans of that that um, thing. But back to like the complaints I have. Yeah, really weird dialogue um, very early on. It's very tough to really care about most of the characters. I think the only characters that you care about are. You know, this guy, Gray Trace, whose name is absurd, and uh, Stem, you know, his kind of like the one half of his buddy cop. Uh, they're the characters you kind of that drive the movie. Everybody else, we, we don't get a lot from the detective character played by Betty Gabriel. Um, she, she's there and like you really feel like she should have a more impactful narrative, but it does. She does feel like a character straight out of like a Saw movie, I guess. Yeah. Just kind of is there. She, she the girl from Get Out? Yeah. Okay, that's what I thought. Yeah. Um she plays the uh <laughs> the I don't want to I almost spoiled get out, but she plays like the one half of the couple that lives in the yeah, house. Yeah, the one that yeah. does like the no 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 thing. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um which, you know, I was really looking forward to seeing her again obviously and like it's not a bad performance or anything, it's just she's not given it much to do really or she's not really she's not really put into the story. Yeah. She's just kind of a plot it's point. a stock character and yeah. i think she does as well as she could have but i agree with you it just it's a little one note as far as these movies go it's just your standard like cop who wants to obey the law and like f- f- puts things together and figures it out but mm-hmm. yeah i think she makes the most of it uh, i wasn't as familiar with uh um with harrison gilbertson um he's kind of a younger actor you know early 20s um australian actor um i think he was in uh need for speed that movie with aaron paul um, oh, yeah. but he he kind of plays a sort of like the elon musk of this universe um he's like he's like the head of this like corporation like every corporation you've seen in these sci-fi movies basically called vessel and uh you know he he again cut, serves the plot fine but not really a character you really care about like there there are certain scenes where i was like they're trying to make us they're trying to like evoke invoke uh blade runner the very first mm-hmm. one and it that stuff doesn't really work um but you know what like, it's not something that i think ruins the movie or anything i just think there are some missed opportunities what do you think will 
Yeah, I mean, I definitely walked away feeling like the villain characters could have been more defined. Or at least, like you said, the supporting characters could have been a little more fleshed out than they were. Uh, especially, um, there's like a guy, like a, like a henchman guy with a mustache, mm-hmm. who could have been a little more central to the plot, I think. Because he is like, he's very distinct looking, and he has like this kind of weird charisma to him. And I feel like they could have done more with him, but they don't. Probably for the sake of the plot and for the running time and stuff, which I understand. I mean, it, it might have dragged the movie. I don't really know. But I feel like there was a bit of a missed opportunity with his character that they could have done more with it. Especially, like, they have a really cool action scene with him and uh, Logan Marshall Green that's really fun. I think they could have done even more with that. But, oh, yeah. It, yeah. That, that could have gone on an extra five minutes, probably. And they kind of... Yeah. Easily. You know, uh, I totally agree. I think those... Because there are other characters who are, like, enhanced to a degree. Uh, and they just don't really establish, like, who these characters are, why they do what they do. And um, we can't spoil anything, but this is a movie that kind of subverts, you know, it, it's the kind of movie where you're, you're like, okay, I know where this movie is headed. And then if it, you know, when it happens, you're like, okay, yeah, I saw that coming. But then it does something else that I think is a little bit more unexpected that I actually really liked. Uh, I, I think this movie ends very strong. Uh, it, it ends on a note of bet you didn't see that coming and a sort of bleakness that I really like, uh, you know, a kind of like bittersweet sort of thing, depending on how, you know, depending on like which characters you like and which ones you don't. Um, did the ending work for you guys at all? Maverick? Um, the complaint I have about the ending, I don't want to, I, I can't without spoilers talk about, but a you do lot. have a complaint. Okay. Yeah. But I do have one kind of complaint, which is some like, the very last note, like where it ends, I have no problem with. It's just the the stuff like in the few scenes before that leading up to it, the kind of the big reveals, I, totally I, I think are kind of yeah. lazy and it, and it didn't like, there's... A, we spent some time. We like, were talking on the way home out. and we were like, wait, what was the motivation of this person? Why did yeah. this happen? So like, I feel like there's a lot of holes that lead up to the ending. So I agree with you, the fact that like the way it ends, I like. I like, you know, the kind of bittersweet. Yeah, it's sort of, you have to go with it. Yeah, I like that. But like the explanation and the lead up to that in those in those scenes going to it were just like really like half-hearted, not explained well. And I don't really think they solved enough for me. I think I would have liked the ending a lot more with just a little bit more explanation. Okay. What about you, Will? I thought it was good. I liked the ending. I, I feel like when I was watching the movie, I felt like, oh, this is going to be like kind of like a new franchise for Blumhouse because they tend to like those. And when the movie ended at first, I was like, oh, are they really going to try to expand on this? And I thought about it, and I think they can go one of two ways that could really make this ending even more impactful. But I'm not 100% sure if they're going to make it a franchise or not. And I might have to discuss my ideas about it after we record because I don't want to spoil it for the audience. But <laughs> I think yeah. I think they can go one of two ways if they decide to keep going with this. That could make it really, really interesting. And uh, yeah, I mean, but as it, uh, as it stands on its own, I think it's good. I don't. I, I agree. It can be a little twisty. And I think they could have developed some of the stuff, like I said before, to make it a little more impactful. But overall, yeah, it's fine. I like the ending. I, I think they'll probably make a franchise of it because, uh, well, first of all, it's doing pretty good money, um, especially knowing like how it's competition. <laughs> you know, it. Uh, we don't know how much it made, but I would guess it probably cost about five million. Um, based on what we know about Blumhouse Productions, they usually don't spend much more than five million on movies yeah, like this. Um, it's it, three to five million, I think, is what they, they haven't said uh, exactly what it is, but I know it's between free, three and five million dollars. So it's, it's really cheap, and it's already made domestically um, almost five million. It's like four and a yeah. half. Um, four and a half million, and which weirdly, yeah. And, and weirdly, like the release has been pretty minuscule for these things. Like it's not limited, but it's like it was only playing two theaters near me. And I feel um, like it's only playing it's playing yeah. in like 1400 theaters, something like that, which is half, you know, the average, 
So like if it if it's coming out in even more, it, it technically qualifies as a wide release. I think we were having some confusion last week because we didn't think it was a wide release. I think it was kind of the last minute that they expanded it. Just yeah, enough. well, I think that's what happened. Yeah, because yeah, before it was definitely going to make it. Yeah, I think it was like less than a thousand when we were initially talking about this movie. Um, but no, I, and I think they they're believing in it, and it, I think this one could have legs. I think that it could uh, make even more money and be a modest hit for for Blumhouse and for BH Tilt, which they, uh, yeah. what was the other movie that they made? Uh, I'm kind of, I don't know. I was it. trying to figure out what their brand is. Also, your it's leg crack new. was a little, uh, unfortunate, but the, what you said, the movie might have legs. That was a bit unfortunate. Oh. <laughs> I'm very sorry. Choice of words. Um. No, no, no. I, I, I <laughs> yep, just yep. noticed that. I didn't know if I should point it out or not, but <laughs> let the pun be. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, so we'll probably see a franchise out of this, but uh, let's let's get into our final thoughts and grades, starting with you, Will Ashton. Um, how would you sum things up here? Yeah, overall, I, I really enjoyed the film. I think it was what I wanted it to be, and I don't think, like we were saying before, I think you can compare it to a lot of other films, and that's what keeps it from it being truly original. And I, I said before that I think the plot is a little, like, con- not contrived, but, like, you, you can kind of figure out where it's going to go as it goes along. Like, I don't think there are any, like, amazingly shocking twists throughout the movie, but I think it's really well done. Like I said, the dialogue isn't great, but the things that are good are really good in here. Like, the production design, the art direction, the cinematography, and the acting, I think those are all really stellar. And also, it's super well produced and very well directed, and I think they're very economical as far as their budget and running time and everything about it was just, it was just a real slick well-made movie and i think it's going to be a crowd pleaser for people who check it out so i hope it gets a bigger response i mean i'm glad people are seeking it out and i hope more people do so i don't know i'm between a b and a b plus um i don't know i mean i think quality wise it might be a b but uh, entertainment value might make it a b plus so i'll go with a tentative b plus but it might bounce down to a b or maybe go higher i'm not quite sure i'm still figuring out my grade but for now i'll go b plus Oh yeah, I'm right there with you because I've been between B and B plus like three and a half stars that kind of zone um, yeah. because I, I totally like I totally agree that it is there's there are special things about it here. I think that it is a theater movie. Like if you can see this on the big screen, if you can see those action set pieces, yeah, if, definitely with a crowd. Yeah, with a crowd, it's so rewarding, you know, and satisfying to watch it with other people. And you know, there's some things that kind of bug me with like the, it kind of leans pretty hard in like the neo noir style that I think is at this point starting to get a little tired. Like it's just it's just such a persistent thing these days with these like sci-fi movies. Give me something else. Like you know, like we we know that like a great cinematographer can use lighting to invoke emotion and the darkness of the soul. But when every movie does it, it's just like, okay, uh, I think this movie is at its best when it uses um, more muted shadows. And especially like in his home, when uh, he's dealing with like he, uh, his like paralysis, it, it, I thought that those scenes did the best to really make me care about the character because the visual storytelling was so on point. But then there the, when he goes into like seedy parts of the script, it's, it, that's when it like lost a little bit of steam until, you know, an action sequence would kind of save it. So it, the movie dips and it dives and it, it's, it's good and then it's bad and then it's great. And then it's, it's so all over the place that you absolutely need to see this one because uh, if you have any interest in it, uh, because I think that it, it'll surprise you somehow. Um, even though the ending is kind of predictable, there I think there is one key surprise that basically works um, and that kind of redeems, um, you know, kind of the snarky, like, uh-huh, I saw that coming, kind of uh, moviegoer, which I know a lot of us are, uh, myself included. So, I, you know what, tentative B-plus for me, too. I, I think it, it just barely hits it, but in, in a way that gets me excited to recommend it. And then uh, finish, us, uh, finish us out, uh, Maverick Hines. 
You know what, guys? It's going to be one of those rare days, I think, where we're all in the same place because um, Triple I, B. I agree basically with everything Will said. I, I think it's, you know, like quality wise, it's probably a B movie, but I was so entertained and I had so much fun with it. And I think a lot of it came from the surprise of just really not knowing what I was getting myself into and then just having a really fun time. This is like a for sure B plus for me as well. Okay. Yeah. Let, let's just hope that after this movie, can we get a break from the whole fridging trope of, uh, you know, the, the main character, we just had Deadpool <laughs> and like the same thing happens in this movie. And it's just like, I know screenwriters are aware <laughs> of like how tropey this is, but I think yeah. the movie is so tropey to a degree that, yeah, it's kind of par for par for the course at this point for, but- yeah. At the same time, it is like it, it is a B movie, like yeah. in a sense, like not not only quality wise, but I think that's what it is, like a B, like a pulpy B movie, and right. that's I understand, like it, it's gonna follow those tropes. It's kind of part of the course, but yeah, it it does feel like you kind of seen all this before in some ways, but it's no annihilation, uh, that's yeah. for sure. Yeah, yeah, that's true. All right, well that'll do it for our review of Upgrade. Let's get right into our mini reviews and uh, starting with Maverickine's most anticipated movie of 2018. Adrift, as watched by Will Ashton. Uh, Will Ashton, what is Adrift about? Who's in it, and how much did you love it? Uh, well, I didn't really love it. Uh, I can't. I don't even think I had a strong emotional response to it. It's based on a true story. Um, I probably should have looked up what her real name was, but it's Tammy something. Uh, it's a real story. When this girl was like 24, she was just trying to find her place in life, literally adrift and figuratively adrift. Oh. Uh, she uh yeah <laughs> oh, that's interesting. Um, yeah so she meets up with this guy played by sam chaflin or chaflin i'm not quite sure how you pronounce it sam claflin from, i think uh, yeah who played uh what's his name in hunger finnick. games finnick finnick okay i was gonna say finn but that's uh star wars more recently he was uh the guy in uh me before you with amelia clark oh yeah that's right and he was in uh, my cousin rachel as well yeah, yeah, he was the main guy in that. Um, yeah. Rachel Weiss was in that movie. I was trying to yeah. get Maverick to know who Rachel Weiss is when we were talking about disobedience. Um, I I failed because you looked at it and you didn't even recognize her. But yeah, it's it's weird because he's like pretty charismatic and he's also kind of bland at the same time. I like. Uh, him. But I think he's actually a pretty good actor. I don't yeah. I don't have anything really against him, and I think he did a good job here. Because weirdly, I think the movie is at its best when it's like not doing the disaster stuff. Like for me, weirdly, like when it was like kind of like a budding romance, it was a little more involving than when it was like her trying to survive. Because I feel like all the stuff with the survival was just like part of the course. Like you've kind of seen this all before. It's like basically like all is lost. Yeah. Castaway and all this different things. Like you, I don't know. I just it didn't really feel like it was bringing anything new to the table. And probably one of the worst things about the movie is that it does this uh, like split narrative thing where it tells like uh, like her on the boat. Uh, paralleled with her like going onto the boat and i think it, it's effective at times but i feel like that cuts the tension from what happens later in the film because mm-hmm. you kind of know it's going to get to this point and so it, it felt like a poor decision but i don't know i mean it's a project for shane lee woodley she produced the film as well and she was probably the one that was cradling it and championing it and i think she's good i don't think it's like a like all-time best performance from her i found her like work and say like big little lies a little more meaningful oh, yeah. to me but, um i, I like shyly woodley i don't care what anybody says i've been following no, like her, her since like, secret life american teenager she's been in some terrible things she's been in some good stuff but people forget and i mean i'll she say was also, she was almost our mary jane in spider-man so that's true just, yeah she yeah. dyed her hair red and everything and she didn't get to be even a cameo no uh, but anyway, no, I mean, it's certainly better than Divergent movies. I'll say that much. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's it's a good vehicle for her. I think it shows her strengths. It fits like her personality, but I didn't think like her performance was that amazing. It actually felt a little effortful at times, which I think it should have been a little more natural and uh, instinctive. And I just didn't think it quite worked for me, hundred uh, percent. But overall, the movie, I, I'd say it's like slightly below average. Like it, it's competent, but it's not really involving. So. I'll give it a C plus. I don't think it's like a must see. And I think people who are going to go see it will probably get what they want out of it. But I don't think it's going to be like a movie for the ages or anything. But like Maverick, I was kind of disinterested from the beginning. And I don't think the movie ever made me interested in it as I was watching it. So it's weird because it's not a blockbuster. And we were saying like, oh, man, blockbuster, blockbuster, blockbuster. And then this movie comes out and it's not doing well at all at the box office. Um, It costs $35 million to make. And it's only made it's made less than half of that in it's opening weekend. So it's really, I Maverick's like cheering. I'm over so it. happy. Oh my gosh. You did it Maverick. <laughs> you, you, we uh, took him down everybody. We you, got him. You got everybody to not watch Mission it. Accomplished. Um, um, yeah, yeah no, I know. I don't want to champion a movie not doing well. I just think that this movie is just so like kind of banal in its own way that like, I just can't, I can't really see people being jazzed to see it. And I'm, I'm not surprised that's doing kind of mediocre at the box office. It's doing a lot better than uh, yeah. Uh, so I don't, I'm, I'm just glad we didn't cover this one for the main episode as we were suggesting before because I really did, don't think I would have as much to say about this one as I did upgrade. So yeah, yeah, I think the only reason I was interested in it at all was probably because it was the same uh, screenwriters as Moana. And oh, was uh, it? so I, yeah, and I was kind of interested to see like with that you know with the fact that Shailene Woodley was producing is like oh could this be like kind of a passion project sort of thing? I think it, yeah. it wasn't really. Um, I think it was just a heavily produced movie and. Uh, yeah, I, I didn't see it, but uh, definitely it, it at least is doing a lot better than Action Point. Um, that movie didn't even break a yeah. million at the box well, office. Yikes. So wow. that, that, that was wide is, release, right? That was in wide release, and uh, it made I think seven hundred and ninety thousand Friday <sighs> Saturday. Oof. So that's yeah, that's pretty abysmal. So that's a huge yeah. huge hit um, for Johnny Knoxville and his people. But uh, you mean like a hit, like he? Yeah, like a hit, like, like a, a yeah, yeah, a blow. There you go. Right. Uh, I guess it's fitting for him. That's like his whole career has been getting hit in the nards. Yeah, so. there you go. And it's not as if that movie, uh, it's not, the, it's not as if it was a very low budget. Um, a drift wasn't a very low budget, right? So like it, very yep. interesting to see how the summer is shaping up. We have upgrade that had pretty low budget, pretty good return. And then that ended up being the movie that, you know, yeah. it didn't, it didn't make more money than a drift, but it's definitely the success story compared to that. And uh, to an extent yeah. solo. So, that Blumhouse company, they know what they're doing. They're smart. Jason yeah, Blum. they're they're fascinating yeah. in terms of how they market films and make them work. But uh, okay, that's a drift C plus from Will Ashton. Let's talk about Disobedience, which came out in limited release a few weeks ago. Um, but we've kind of took our time to see it. Uh, <laughs> this new movie is uh, it technically came out last year. I forget which. Uh, I think it was TIFF that it premiered worldwide, Probably. or its world premiere, I should say. Um, this is from Bleecker Street, and uh, Will Ashton and I saw it. Maverick Hines, you want to see it. You said you were probably going to check it out today. Um, so uh, you know, you'll be able to have an opinion on that one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this one stars Rachel Weiss, and it also stars uh, Rachel McAdams. And it is about a, a young woman who she grew up in the Jewish Orthodox Church in, uh, or I guess you wouldn't say church, like synagogue, um, an Orthodox Jewish community, let's say, uh, in London. And she left London to move to New York. She's kind of like the prodigal child, you know, kind of rebellious. And she returns after her father dies and starts to reconnect with people in the community, including um, a pair of her best friends, 
Growing Up, one of them played by Rachel McAdams. This one's based on a novel of the same name by Naomi Alderman. And uh, first thing I'll say, it, it, as you'll, you know, it's not giving it away because the posters, the marketing, they're really like making it clear that this movie is about um, a lesbian romance between uh, the Rachel Weiss character and her childhood best friend, uh, Rachel McAdams. Uh, the whole movie kind of centers around how they start to reconnect um, in this community where obviously that is like, you know, that would have the potential to ruin uh, Rachel McAdams' life um, as she's married to their other best friend. And a lot of the movie has to do with how he deals um, with this aspect of uh, his wife and uh, how he's able to uh, cope with that. And uh, th- this movie really surprised me because it, first of all, I, we don't see a lot of movies about Orthodox Jewish communities, uh, especially outside of like New York City, um, we d- we really don't see a lot of that in London. And this movie really t- really educates on you know the ins and outs of that lifestyle, um, what you know the values that they have, how they talk to each other, how they interact, some of their traditions, and uh, we see it from the perspective of someone who grew up in that world and left it. And then we also see, you know, the Rachel McAdams character who sort of struggles with it, who who feels part of that community, doesn't want to leave it, but she also feels like she doesn't uh, quite belong because she's sort of rejected for this aspect of herself that they don't accept. And how the movie ultimately resolves this tension between her and her husband, I thought was wonderful. I thought it was beautiful. Uh, this was directed by Sebastian Lilio and written by him and Rebecca Lekiewicz, who um, I think she definitely had like uh, strong ties to the the Orthodox, um, again, I almost said church, but synagogue. And uh, he directed Fantastic Woman, uh, which won the foreign language film, best foreign language film at the 2017 Oscars. And once again, I just think that he's made an impactful movie about um, people who struggle with their sexuality in, in, in a world, in, a, in an environment that doesn't accept them, but uh, is more muddled and complicated than that. It, it doesn't make villains out of everyone um, in that like inner circle. And it actually says something meaningful about how, you know, how you're, how people try to accept each other, how people fail sometimes and, you know, what people can do to sort of change themselves in order to um, be better for, for those in their lives who are different than them. And uh, this movie really, it, it really moved me. Um, and it really made me think a lot about other people and other people that have different experiences than me who live in different places. And uh, aside from all that, you know, I just think it was wonderful to see this, this community brought to life and, and to sort of get a slice of that culture. Uh, but that's, that's where I'm at on disobedience. I, I highly recommend it. Um, it is very, uh, it, it, it goes there. Um, you definitely see some things that are very provoking. Um, but what about you, Will Ashton? I mean, uh, you know, I, you kind of mentioned like you kind of forgot that you saw this film. So I think, you yeah, really I don't know. I mean, it's really weird. I, I don't really know how to explain my response to this movie, but like I, Definitely, I'm glad I saw it, and I'm so glad it got made, and I think it is working for a lot of people, and I'm glad that's the case. And I do recommend the film. I think it's well done, and I think the performances are very good, especially Rachel McAdams, who's having a stellar year this year, especially Mm -hmm. with um, Game Night Night as well. And I think, was there something else am I thinking of, or is that it so far? Oh, there's something else. You're right, and I'm also blanking on it, but I'm sure it'll come to us later. I feel like there's something else she was in. But yeah, she's doing great this year, and I'm so glad for her success, because I think she is really one of the best talented or most talented actresses working today. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. This movie just didn't really grip me the same way. I don't know why. Because, I mean, 
I found the story was well done. I think it's important to tell the story. And I like the director's other work. You uh, didn't mention he also did a movie called Gloria, which was nominated mm-hmm. for, I think, Best Foreign Film a couple years ago. He's going to do an English language remake with uh, Julian Moore, I think, is his next, pro- next project. Um, and I, I do enjoy his stuff, and I think it's a worthwhile film. But I don't know, just something about the story just didn't really connect with me. I felt like I could kind of see where I was going, and I didn't think it really grip me the way I was hoping it would. And I don't know if it was just I didn't watch it at the right time or what, but yeah, it's weird because like on paper, I certainly agree with what you're saying, but emotionally, I just didn't get gripped in the same way. I think what carried it over for me, a lot of it was the music. A lot of it was the just the dramatic buildup of these two characters and uh, the little moments in between. And I just, yeah, it, it really hit me in that way. Um, I, I, I honestly, I go between an A minus and a B plus because one thing about it is that I, I do think it does it it does take a while to sort of get to the point. Um, but I think I think part of why it ultimately works is because the way it shifts perspective between these three characters without making any like it doesn't. Um, it doesn't celebrate their flaws and it doesn't, it doesn't villainize any of them for what they do. And I don't know. I just think it's a fascinating character study between these three people and their lives. And uh, I think it does it in a very innovative way too. So I, I guess that's where it really gripped me was that I just was so invested in all three of them. So uh, it's an A minus for me, honestly, I, I really love this one. Um, what about you, Will? Yeah, no, I mean, I, I don't disagree with anything you said. I just didn't get that emotional response and I'm probably in the minority because I saw it, with an audience who was really connecting with it, and I'm glad they are. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm going to give it a B- minus just because I really wasn't super blown away by the movie, even though I was impressed with what they were able to pull off. But, yeah, I don't know. It just didn't hit me the same way, unfortunately. All right. Well, that's a pretty big disparity. So, um, you yeah. know, I think that's... Uh, maybe I'll change. I, think- I don't know. I mean, maybe if I see it again, I'll grow like it more but for a reason it just didn't hit me the same way it hit you yeah it's it's tough to say it's tough to say like you know if you should watch it um i don't know yeah no you should watch it i mean it's worth seeing i just didn't get the same response that's what i'm saying well i just i don't want people to watch it and then have the same negative not negative but like the same sort of mixed responses you you know let people decide for themselves and uh it'll be interesting to see uh what other people think of the movie i think that it's starting to show up in more theaters and um yeah i i definitely recommend it okay Next up, we have The Tale, which uh, just came out on HBO. We talked about this movie very briefly when it premiered at Sundance um, with Alex Billington, who he had a lot of uh, he he had a lot of like cautionary stuff to say about this movie. It was acquired by HBO after the festival, and uh, so this movie is about um, well, it stars Laura Dern, and it was written and directed by Gen- Jennifer Fox, who actually is the main character. Um, Jennifer Fox is well known as someone who has made a lot of documentaries and she um, really carried, this is like her first narrative film, I want to say. And it absolutely feels like a narrative film from somebody who usually makes documentaries. And I say that in a positive way. Um, This is a movie about a a woman played by Laura Dern who tries to re-explore some childhood abuse that she went through, sexual abuse. And she kind of interviews her younger self and tries to piece back together memories and, you know, the way that her memory has been distorted, honestly, by time and by um, trauma, honestly. And it's a very deep, very affecting um, exploration of that. Did you see this one, Will? Or are you? I did not. No, I want I want to see it because I've heard it's really good, but uh, I got a screener for it and I 
just couldn't get myself to watch it. Uh, yesterday was my birthday, and I was just like, I don't think happy this is Happy birthday, movie. Will Ashton. Uh, Everybody well, thanks, say happy yeah. birthday. Let's start the song. Maverick, get your guitar. <laughs> Let's do this. Um, no, okay. It's time. Will you edit no, that I just, part uh, <laughs> I, I had a chance to see it yesterday, and it just didn't feel like the right time for me. So I'm planning to check it out, but I haven't gotten a chance to see it yet. It's, it's tough, because on the one hand, I want to recommend it. It is a very, in- it is a very intriguing, very unique narrative i mean it really like the way that she uses documentary tropes to kind of sell the idea that the sell the idea that like we have an unreliable narrator we have this fascinating true story that is just gripping that is just like you have to see it to believe like oh my gosh like how could this have happened to somebody um the problem is that it is it kind of explicitly shows that sexual abuse now they use an adult body double and uh, but obviously it's edited in a way to sort of and it happens multiple times in the movie like it's not like just a one thing like multiple times it is like showing you like this older man in his 40s like doing certain things with a 13 year old and even though it's not technically happening i was so deeply unsettled i i had a hard time like i wanted to stop watching it multiple times and I'm kind of conflicted morally on this film. Like, I don't know. Like, I just, I think that for film critics, I guess it's worth your time to at least try, but I don't think I could recommend, like, I I, I go back and forth, honestly, because, like, where's the line? And I just don't think it is a, a good thing to show it. Like, I don't think it's necessary because I think you can get it across without having to be explicit about it. But I also don't want to challenge this is the woman who went through this and she is showing us this and it's her who's giving us permission to step into this. So I struggle, I struggle with this movie a lot. Uh, I I really understand like Alex Billington was going through the same thing and he was kind of going back and forth. So I'm right there with him. I I am very on the fence and I think that it it really, it's your decision on whether or not you should check this movie out. But uh, you're going to get a great movie. I think you're going to get a movie that is absolutely uh, well told a story. Well told that, you know, is important in today's world, but it, it does come with some really tough baggage that you have to empathize into your world. And it's tough. It's really tough to do. So that's the tale. I, I, I give the movie a B plus. I think that it's, it's well worth your time. It's just, there's one, there's a couple of major caveats that you really have to sit through some uncomfortable stuff that uh, it could trigger a lot of people. It could be Mm -hmm. very, but it, I think intentionally. So I think she's trying to be like, this stuff happens and like people need to know this stuff happens and people need to start telling stories about what they went through so that the stuff won't happen to other people. And I really respect that. And I really respect the courage of Jennifer Fox, but uh, yeah, but nothing. I I think that that it's as simple as that. So that's the tale on HBO. Um, Um, Well, before we go into the next topic, I just wanted to continue the conversation from our Sundance episode and ask if if it was best to release on HBO or should have, or should have, what am I trying to say? Anyway, uh, should have gone into theaters. Uh, you know, it's not an answer for me, obviously, but I kind of do like that this ended up being an HBO thing because you can sort of stream it with no consequence, right? Like you can start to watch it. And if you realize that, no, I can't deal with this, it's a lot easier to stop watching than it would be if you were in a theater. And I think that it would have been extremely troublesome for theaters to show this movie. And so I can absolutely see why HBO was like, you know what, this will be for us. Um, HBO is kind of known at this point as 
a very poli- they, they put out a lot of political stuff. They put out things that are very like deeply charged, I should say, um, in their topical you know subject matter. So I think it's a good fit. Um, and especially for Laura Dern, who, you know, we talked about Big Little Lies earlier. That's another film that, that's another, that's a series, <laughs> a mini series that grapples with a lot of like really uncomfortable subject matter that I think it does it very well there um, as well. So uh, as a Laura Dern vehicle, I, I think it makes sense to keep it on HBO. But yeah, I, I don't know for sure, like how it would have done in theaters. I have a feeling it probably wouldn't have gone over well. Okay. Yeah. Sorry I asked that question so weirdly, but. Uh, yeah, I just oh, want no, to I check in. Yeah, I get what you're going yeah. for, and like it, it is kind of a weird situation. Um, but it, it is a decision that I ultimately agree with. I don't know about anybody else, but uh, yeah, that's that's the tale. Um, yeah, I just was curious about that. So yeah. All right. Well, let's finish off our mini reviews with uh, Arrested Development, um, season five. Uh, Will you yeah. saw part of this? I think. Yeah. Well, this isn't even. They only release, I think, half the season or part of the season. I'm not 100 percent sure how many episodes are left got it, got that it. are going to come out. But I saw two episodes so far, and uh, I don't know. It's it's an interesting time for Arrest Development to come back because it's uh, this season's been marred with controversy for uh, Jeffrey Tambor, who has yeah. been kind of overshadowing the release of the show, and it has uh, given it, I think, a quieter response than they were intending, Netflix. Um, and I guess, in a way, it's um, like the, the series is going in a soft, like a little more focused, linear style this time, so it's not quite as broad as season four was. But at the same time, it just feels like too little, too late for me. Um, as a fan of the show, I mean, I've had, like, I, I liked the fourth season, but I found it to be a bit much. Like, I think they are trying yeah. to do too much. And I think... The writing was good, but the execution was wrong. I just don't think it was a wise decision to have like 40 minute episodes focus only on Job. Uh, for instance, I just don't think that's what the show should be. I think it's about the like collision of characters coming together mm-hmm. and like how they act and react off each other. I think on their own, it just doesn't fit what the show was supposed to be. And this season's better about getting them together more often. But there are some trouble. Like I think Porta De Rossi is uh, mostly retired at this point. Yeah, she is. So, she was only in a few episodes. And yeah, kind of, she's I only been in one episode. Yeah, and it's it's tough. They try to work around it, but it's just uh, it, you can tell that she's been absent for most of the mm-hmm. episodes I've seen. And I don't know. I mean, the uh, show just it also is struggling to figure out what to do with uh, David Cross's character. Because he's not really in the family anymore. He's soon to be exited out of it. But they're still trying to force him into the series. Mm-hmm. Which is a little weird. Um, I don't know. I just To me, like like I said, like with season four, it felt like it was written well. But the execution wasn't right. I think the approach to the season is better. But the writing isn't quite as strong. It just feels a little forced to me. Like It just feels like they're trying to bring it back because they have to. But it doesn't really feel like it has that same mojo that I had before and i don't know like i i did enjoy the second episode more than the first one so it's possible that as i watch the rest of these eight released episodes i'm going to turn out positive on it but i don't know it just it just doesn't hit the same way that it did before and i think it might be time to uh close this one because i just don't i don't know what they can really do at this point it just feels like they're kind of spinning their wheels did you see the uh, re-edited version of season four? no i didn't I, i've heard mixed things about that as well i heard yeah. that uh, they kind of just repeat a lot of things and that it, it just feels like the, it's a little better according to some people as far as like the pace of it. I, I will like I like to say that the this episode or this season, the episodes are 22 minutes again, which is good. But I, I don't know. It's still like the material isn't quite as strong as it was the first three seasons. It's a, it's a little uh, more chaotic and not quite as skillfully handled as it was in the three seasons before. So I, I don't think it's really 
matching its former self and i don't know it just doesn't it just doesn't have that same mojo again like i said it, it just feels like it's this lesser than product of its former self so i'm yeah, sorry have, to say that because yeah. yeah i have to admit i i've been very uninterested in the rest of development ever since season four i remember the i, I had a hard time even just finishing that. i don't think i did i think i had like a couple episodes left and i just tuned out and I haven't had any interest whatsoever in this new season. I didn't even check. I didn't check out the re-edited stuff. I just don't care at this point. And I think with all the Jeffrey Tambor stuff, um, her, you know, the Jessica Walter and what she went through in that that interview, and mm-hmm. I just, yeah, I, it's. I think it's time to just let it end. You know, like I just, yeah, the magic of Arrested Development, I think, ended with season three, honestly. And uh, mm-hmm. I, I just wish they would stop trying to force it. You know, like yeah. these are all great actors who have all gone off and done their own thing that a lot of them have found a lot of success and you know i i don't know i just think it's weird that we keep trying to like bring it back yeah yeah and i feel like season three actually like it wasn't like a cliffhanger like it had a pretty good ending yeah. for the series so it was canceled I, 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 but yeah you're right yeah well yeah but i mean like they they knew it was gonna get canceled probably so like they gave it some closure yeah. as best they could and like i obviously i was excited for season four and i i'm kind of with you it felt like a bit of a struggle to get to the end of it just because if like the episodes were too long they didn't have the tight focus they're going for this like rashomon like different narrative thing but just it just didn't fit what the show was so yeah i i, I had mixed feelings about season four and now i have kind of mixed feelings about season five so yeah i don't know yeah. well all right well that's the rest of development if you're still a huge fan um you know it might be worth checking out but yeah for, i know for me as someone who did, did really love the first three seasons yeah i don't think i'm gonna be checking this one out at least anytime soon but uh, all right that'll do it for this week's mini reviews let's finish out the show with 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 what is coming soon to theaters uh first up we have oceans eight which is going to be our featured review next week again that's going to be hosted by kimber myers uh with a totally different cast and so you'll have to wait to find out what we think of the movie but you'll get to hear from them on this one uh this is a wide release from warner brothers it was directed and co-written by gary ross uh co-written by olivia milch and uh you know george clooney and steven soderbergh part of the original oceans trilogy they actually produced this in part and uh you know it is a little weird because there is one female co-writer but you know it's a movie directed by men produced by men yet yeah, it stars only women yeah like all the stars are women um so it is a very interesting i don't want to say interesting it is a very weird uh mashup of creative talent but let's see how it turns yeah. out um i've heard good things apparently, so far yeah. i was gonna say um, apparently this was a huge uh passion project for gary ross he was really adamant about making this mm-hmm. movie so I mean, yeah. He I really loved that John comes. Mulaney special, you know? He wanted to yeah. prove it wrong. Is that what inspired him, honestly? I don't know. <laughs> I, I want to look that up, actually, and maybe find some interviews. And I'm yeah. sure somebody has asked him and some of the rest of the cast about it. But That's the review I want to see the most is John Mulaney's. Yeah. What do you we've think been, of this? <laughs> we're, of course, for those of you who don't know, we're referencing John Mulaney, the, the comedian. He was an SNL writer, and you've probably heard of John Mulaney um, if you yeah. like the show. But uh, well, we, we, brought, we bring special, him up a lot. Yeah, we reviewed a special. He, uh, he once made it, he, infamously, he made a joke about how you can never do Ocean. 11 with all women um because uh yeah we won't give the joke away it's it's funny but uh yeah this movie stars sandra bullock kate blanchett rihanna helena bottom carter mindy kaling sarah paulson anne hathaway and aquafina and uh yeah good buzz i'm looking forward to it um you guys will hear what we think about it later on but uh next up we have kind of totally different movie will there's a new new movie coming out that premiered at sundance called hereditary tell us about it yeah it's uh like you said it's a new horror movie from a24 and apparently it's a wide release i didn't know if it was or not but yeah. uh yeah it's uh the directorial debut of ari Esther. he wrote it as well like you said it was at sundance and it went over very well but 
apparently this movie is super intense like it's not for the faint of heart apparently it's going to be a lot of people have said they've walked out of it shook <clears throat> excuse me so it seems like it's going to be shook really just talking about it i mean yeah <laughs> apparently yeah uh presence walked over me yeah uh yeah so um yeah the story is like there's a, a close family who starts to unravel and there's this death of a reclusive grandmother and uh there's like this overwhelming terror that goes on to the household and it starts to tear each of them apart in their own dark sinister ways i don't want to say any more because i don't even know more and i think yeah, it's best to kind of go in. yeah we've purposely have yeah. stayed away from like knowing too much about this because yeah kind of have to I will say, I mean, the trailer is great, especially in the theater. Uh, I saw it before Disobedience, and it goes over really, really well. Um, and I'm really looking forward to seeing this movie. It has Tony Collette, who is apparently amazing in this movie. Is She usually is. Yeah. Uh, Millie Shapiro. Gabri- Shapiro. Or, yeah. Sorry, Shapiro. Uh, Gabriel Byrne. Or sorry, Gabriel Byrne. Uh, Alex Wolf, who is apparently a revelation in this movie. I've heard many great things about his performance. Hmm. Uh, and Dowd, who's always great. And uh, Zachary Arthur. And I'm really looking forward to this movie. And I think it's going to be... I don't know if fun's the right word, but it's going to be an experience. I'm looking forward to that experience. Yeah, it's it's definitely uh, you know it's the next um, A24 likes to come out with these like horror movies around like late spring, early summer. You know, last year was It Comes at Night, and uh, I think The Witch was the one before that. And uh, this is uh, definitely looking like it's going to fit. You know, their slew of like really shocking, provocative horror movies. Um, depending yeah. on how you took away from it comes at night, I guess, but yeah, I really enjoyed it comes at night. As I said before on the podcast, I know yeah. uh, Maverick was a little disappointed by it and I can't do anything about that, but I really enjoyed it. <laughs> <laughs> can't, can't win them all. I can't guess. fix them. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I, have you turned it all? Have you turned around at all in that movie Maverick? Or are you still kind of mixed? I, I haven't seen it since. So I think I need to see it again before I can okay. really reshape my opinion. Okay, yeah, fair enough. Nice I mean, like I said, not for everyone. It got a mixed response from audiences, but I really enjoyed that movie, and I'm looking forward to this one as well. Yeah. All right. Uh, we have one more wide release, and uh, I think you're also looking forward to this one, Will. Tell us about Hotel Artemis. Yeah. Um, this is the uh, director debut of uh, Drew Pierce. People probably know him more as a writer. He uh, has worked on um, at least one Mission Impossible movie. Rogue, Rogue Nation. Nation. I- did he write the fourth one too, or was that someone else? I don't else? think so. Um, okay. Yeah. Yeah, and he also, I guess, his most famous uh, collaboration is with um, Shane Black writing Iron Man 3. And I think he also did that one shot. I never got around to seeing it, but with Ben Kingsley, I think he directed that as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so this is a. Uh, it kind of reminds me of like what would happen if uh, the raid happened inside that hotel in uh, John Wick Chapter yep. 2. <laughs> I was thinking the exact thing, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's like a big star cast. I mean, you got Sterling K. Brown, Sophia Botella, Jeff Goldblum, my man, uh, Brian <laughs> Tyree Henry, who people probably know as Paperboy from Atlanta, uh, Zachary Quinto, Charlie Day, Dave Bautista, Jenny Slate, who for some reason, like she's in the trailer, but they don't have her listed in the credits. That's really weird to me. I don't know why, because she's pretty famous. But She should be listed in the credits. Yeah, um, and I heard... Um, I've seen her heard... listed in some credits before. Yeah, and I heard that uh, Father John Misty, if you're a fan of his, uh, his he's in the movie too. But I don't think that's ever been officially confirmed. But I guess that's something to look out for. Uh, yeah, I guess the actual plot synopsis is, uh, yeah, like there's this like pen thing that has like eight million or eighteen million dollars of like uh, stolen goods in it, and they transport it to this like hotel where like assassins just uh, live under these very strict rules by a woman named like the nurse who's played by Jodie Foster. I forgot to mention her earlier. Um, yeah, and then like this all a bunch of stuff goes down trying to get this pen, and uh, people get shot up and. 
it has kind of like a smoking aces kind of feel, which I like. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know. I don't know if it's going to be good, but it looks like it could be a lot of fun, uh, even though it is, I guess, a little derivative if we're mentioning all these other movies. But I don't know. I mean, I think Drew Pierce has proven himself as a screenwriter, and I hope he does a good job as a director on his first film. Yeah. So we'll see. The trailer really sells it. That's all I'll say. Yeah. Um, I want to see it, and uh, hopefully we'll get a chance to and uh, let you guys know how it is. All right. Uh Next up, we have a few limited releases. We'll just breeze through. Um, Hearts Beat Loud is another Sundance movie. A lot of Sundance movies are hitting release this week. Yeah. Um, Hearts Beat Loud is one that I've been looking forward to the most. It really reminds thing. me of a John Carney movie, um, but it's actually directed and co-written by Brett Haley, um, who did The New Year, I'll See You in My Dreams, and The Hero. And uh, it was also co-written by Mark Bash. And this film, you know, I think like most people are probably going to see this because it stars Nick Offerman and Kiersey Clemens. They're uh, kind of a father daughter duo. And uh, they, uh, you know, I don't know too much about the film. I've avoided trailers uh, because I've heard that the music is really good. And I kind of want to go into this one as fresh as possible, but it's about a father and a daughter who they become an unlikely songwriting duo um, right before she leaves for college. So it's kind of like a, looks like a very sweet, very affecting movie that people have said is just very, very strong. Um, this is coming from Gunpowder and Sky, who they haven't made a lot of movies I've seen, but they did make The Little Hours, which came out last year. I, th- I think I talked briefly about that movie at one point. Yeah, you're on a big here. fan of it. I really like that movie a lot. That's the one with uh, Aubrey Plaza and Kate McCucci, who they kind of play these, like, you know, crass nuns and John C. Riley gets to play this like really weird Bishop character. And it's just a very, very, I found that movie to be surprisingly sweet. And so I'm really hoping that, um, I'm really hoping that we get that same kind of flair from hearts beat loud. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to this one. It, it's hitting limited release. I don't know when I'll be able to see it, but original songs, original music, I'm into it. Uh, Keegan DeWitt worked on it. So, uh, and Ted Danson is in this Tony Collette, who we mentioned is in this. It, it I, I can't wait to see this. What about you? Will? Yeah, I mean, it looks like it's going to be a good heartwarming little movie to get into the middle of the like busy summer movie season. But uh, I don't know when I'll see it. I don't even know what's coming near me. But it looks like a nice, charming little movie. And I heard as much from reviews. So, yeah, yeah it looks like a good one. Right, and then uh, another movie's coming out that uh, Will and I have already seen. But uh, Won't You Be My Neighbor is hitting limited release. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, for those who've kind of missed, we've talked about the movie plenty of times. But, Will, I mean, yeah, walk us through for those who haven't heard anything yet. Yeah, I mean, it's the uh, documentary on Mr. Rogers, uh, just his life and legacy. Uh, it's directed by Morgan Neville, who uh, made, I think, is it 20 Feet from Stardom? Was that the movie he made that won the Oscar? Um, yeah, uh, it won the Oscar. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I remember. I mean, it's a good movie if uh, you ever get a chance to see that one. But yeah, this was just focused on uh, Mr. Rogers or Fred Rogers, his legacy and how he like inspired people to be nicer and, you know, really made entertainment for children that wasn't condescending or, you know, demeaning. It just treated them like adults and talking through very difficult adult life things that are hard for children to understand. And obviously, you know, Mr. Rogers is a big uh, idol of mine. I'm a man from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and he's a huge legacy here uh for many reasons and like you said i've seen the film but for whatever reason i cannot talk about it until june 8th which will be after uh next week's episode so uh i can just say that i have a lot to say about it and uh i i don't even know if i can say more than that but 
I think uh, I'm going to agree with what John says. I'll just say that. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, and we've, of course, talked about the movie plenty, so you guys know that I really enjoyed it. Um, and uh, it was really cool. I got to see it with Morgan ne- Neville, and um, I was sat like, next to him. Oh, you did him. with him? Oh, yeah, yeah. that's right. Yeah, he, did yeah, he, he yeah. was there with his wife and kids, and uh, he gave a really moving speech about like making it, and uh, it was great. It, it was at the SF Film Fest. So. Yeah, were you saying that his kids had watched it for the first time in your audience? Yeah. Yeah, they did. And, uh, you know, I didn't spy on them or anything, but I have to believe they had a good time. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Uh, But all right, that's Won't You Be My Neighbor. Um, I I heartily recommend it. And uh, hopefully it'll be hitting um, a lot of theaters uh, coming out soon. But uh, it's one of the few documentaries that I want to see again. Um, I usually see a documentary once and I'm good. But uh, this one, I actually like I would like to revisit it um, sooner rather than later. But okay, uh, we have another <laughs> movie. Uh, last, This is the last one, Nancy. Um, this is a limited release from Samuel Goldwyn Films. And I hadn't heard a lot about this, except I knew that Andrea Riseborough was doing a new movie. She, you would remember her from Birdman and Oblivion. Um, she's had she had a tremendous she has had a tremendous career, but uh, you know yeah, she, she I, was in um, Battle of Sexes too, right? Recently, yeah, she was she has a great role in that movie, and I I really uh, you know I've been waiting for her to like actually star because I think she is a a great talent. Um, this also premiered at Sundance, but some more mixed reviews. But I do want to check this one out. It's from the writer director. Um, it's a feature debut of Christina Coey, who uh, you know great great addition for fifty two films by women. Um, and I, I think that this one, you know, I think it should be worth checking out if it's in your area. Uh, this one is about a, uh, a troubled kind of young woman. She's kind of fragile and she believes that she is like a long lost daughter of these two um, parents from another state. And so she goes out to meet them and she can kind of tell that something isn't right. And so it, it, it's interesting because um, it's a movie that's supposed to be about impersonation. And it honestly, it just reminds me of that episode of SpongeBob where uh, Patrick Starr, his uh, parents, quote unquote, come over, and it's like, oh yeah, <laughs> that's honestly what the movie reminds me of. But uh, I've heard it's better than that. Um, so I want to check this one out. John hey, no, don't, in don't, it. don't talk down on that episode. That's a great episode. I'm not. I'm not. I'm just saying. We said it was going to be like, better than that. Like if, if that well, wasn't probably, that good, I hope it is. I mean, it's just a, yeah. That's it. Plays for laughs in that. This is obviously not a, a comedy. Oh, okay, yeah, I, I can see what you mean. Now. <laughs> Uh, Jay Smith Cameron is in this, and Dow, John Leguizamo, and Steve Buscemi. So, strong cast. It's called Nancy. Uh, might be worth your time. Uh, and with that, that'll do it for what's coming soon. Um, we'll see you in a couple of weeks. I mean, it'll be a little bit, but uh, we hope you all enjoy our Ocean's 8 episode. Uh, the code name is Ladies Night. Um, yeah. But I uh, hope, you, hope you guys have a good time with and, that. And um, we might do a last call or something just to, you know, pop in and say hi. But yeah. that's not confirmed, right? Yeah, so. we haven't we haven't fully agreed to it, but we, we might be doing a little bonus episode here soon. So you won't miss us too much. And uh, yeah, in the meantime, don't forget to leave us a review or rating on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for all of your support so far. Um, if you want to become a patron, go to patreon.com slash cinemaholics. Um, just help us keep the show moving and we're always on facebook and twitter just look up wgtc cinemaholics and uh, you can find us on social there and comment and uh, let us know what you think of the show and you can do that directly too you can email us anytime cinemaholicspodcast at gmail.com send us your love letters and uh, that'll do it for us this week from the internet california i am john agroni and for the internet pennsylvania i'm will ashton and from the basement of broadband assign maverick <laughs> <laughs> see you next time